Good morning and welcome to San Diego First Church of the Nazarene. My name is Matt Wilson. I'm one of the pastors here on staff and it is so good to be with you this morning. We gather together each Sunday morning to just do one thing and that is to lift up Christ, to come together, to worship, to meditate, to pray, to be together as the church. So I invite you this morning to, to do exactly that, to worship God, to come with your whole self, no matter at where you are, if you had a great week or a terrible week, to bring all of that to Christ. One of the practices that we have uh, done over the last few months is we've set up prayer tables on each side of our sanctuary that you can come, that you can pray and have a lit candle to represent your prayers. Let us join together this morning in prayer. Lord, we are so thankful that we can come to this place to freely worship you, no matter where we find ourselves. That you are here in this place and you are seeking after us, forming us. That you are inspiring us to be your people in the world, sharing in grace and forgiveness and mercy to each other and to everyone that we come in contact with. So Lord, as we come to worship, may you empower us. No matter where we find ourselves, Lord, you know where we are. pray all of this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. has been before us and the ways in which your grace follows us, Lord. We take a moment to meditate on the ways in which you have been with us in our lives, Lord, in the pits of deep despair, in the mountain highs, Lord, that you have stayed the same. You have been constant in your love for us. So together we lift our voices and we sing of your great faithfulness. We sing of what you have done for us. 
how you have brought us here. Let us sing.
Good morning. My name is Will, and I'll be reading from Psalm 82. God presides in the great assembly. He renders judgment among the gods. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. The gods know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of earth are shaken. I said, you are gods. You are all sons of the Most High. But you will die like mere mortals. You will fall like every other ruler. Rise up, O God. Judge the earth. For all the nations are your inheritance. The word of the Lord. you have made us you've created us in your image and you have created us to know that things must be made right that there are things in the world that fall below your standard God the standard of your will for your people God your people have come today to cry out to you that justice would be served that your goodness that you have created, Lord, would be sustained through all of us. You have created us to be ambassadors of your hope and your peace, God. So this morning, we take on the identity as Christian, as following Christ, to make things good, to make things right. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The earth is groaning. We are longing for your kingdom to come. All creation and all of heaven join their voices as one. Oh, sing it. God, let your kingdom come and may your will be done. God, let your kingdom come all through us we sing. God, let your kingdom come and may your will be done. God, let your kingdom come. Lord, we place our hope in you. Transform us, God. Shape us. Sing hope. Hope is stirring, joy arising, as we look to the day, when all injustice will bow, and every voice will cry out, holy is your name, and we sing, God let your kingdom come. is yours. 
up your hearts, all who suffer and mourn. The Lord is at hand, and His kingdom is yours. Lift up your eyes, all who hunger for more. The Lord is at hand, and His kingdom is yours. Lift up a shout, let the earth hear your voice. The Lord is at hand, and His kingdom is yours. God, let your kingdom come. May your will be done. God, let your kingdom come. God, let your kingdom come. May your will be done. God, let your kingdom come. Oh, make it your prayer this morning. God, let your kingdom come. May your will be done. God, let your kingdom come. Through us, Lord. Through us, Lord. God, let your kingdom come. May your will be done. God, let your kingdom come. Let that be our prayer this morning and throughout our lives that the kingdom of God come now and today, that God's will be done through our embodiment of Christ, a Christ who loved and included unconditionally, who looked out for the stranger, befriended the outcast of society. Would we embody this character of Christ, a character that of deep empathy, inclusion, love that seeks to listen and understand This is our prayer that we will be more and more like Christ every day until the kingdom of God, a kingdom of justice, love, and inclusion comes to pass. Christ be with me, Christ be for, Christ behind me, Christ with me. Below me, Christ above me, Christ be with me. At my right hand, at my left hand, as I lie down, as I rise, as I stand.
that is our prayer for us in our church, that Christ would dwell in us in a way in which people see and hear and think of Christ. Today, we pray that Christ dwells in our children as we dismiss them into Children's Church today. Would you join us as we pray over our children from Philippians 1? This is my prayer for you, our children, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. May you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Amen. Would you remain standing for the scripture reading this morning? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all of God's people the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to God the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, which is the forgiveness of sins. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning, let us celebrate the rescue that God has. Let me say that again. Let us be thankful for the ways that God has rescued us. And let us celebrate in community together by passing the peace of Christ to one another. You may go and pass the peace.
us make our way back to our seats as we continue our worship this morning. We may finish up our conversations and join back together in our worship. Would you stand with me if you are seated and let us sing together? We sing, this is my desire. This is my desire to honor. you and all that is within me I give you praise is in you sing to the Lord this morning I live for you alone Every breath that I take Every moment I'm awake Lord, have your way in me Offer your hearts and minds to God this morning And sing
transform us and change us. In Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. Lift your prayer this morning. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. shape us that we would be more like you. In Jesus' name, we pray and sing. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Welcome. You're here. Glad you're here. And uh, would love to tell you a little bit about the life of our church going on right now. Uh, the first is this, if you are new here, if you have been here since the foundation of the church, we'd love to know that you're here. And you can do so by scanning the QR code, either that's on screen or in the bulletin. Uh, a very simple Google form will pop up. Just let us know that you're here. Your name is perfect. If you'd love to give us more information, that'd be awesome. Um, but this is also a way that if you've got anything going on in your life that you'd love your pastoral staff to know about, it's a great way for you to confidentially communicate those things. Love to know that you're here at this time. All right. And now for some announcements about things coming up in the life of our church, the first of which I am particularly excited about because this is one of my favorite things that our church has done, particularly from the pre-pandemic times. Wednesday night dinners are coming back. This is like, yeah, I, think, I was hoping for an applause break, so thank you for providing that. I appreciate it. Um, uh, Wednesday night dinners are just a time uh, where we've been able to gather for dinner and fellowship just ahead of our regular Wednesday night programming during the semesters. We have youth group going on and uh, kids programming. That'll be uh, kids choir, Christmas choir in the fall, uh, and uh, adult youth programming as well for parents and other adults that want to come and stop by the church midweek. Um, so before all that gets started at 6.30, we normally uh, in the past have served a dinner out of our Friendship Plaza window from 5.30 to 6.30, and we're hoping to bring those meals back this fall. And so the first step, though, is to get your help. And uh, we're looking for volunteers to be a part of their kitchen teams. They'll serve once a month in the kitchen, so that's just uh, three times in the fall and then uh, maybe again in the spring if you like it. Um, and just being a part of that team to help prep and serve that meal. So if that's something that would interest you, please contact uh, myself in the church office. You can reach me at tyler at sdfcnaz.com. would love to have you be a part of one of our kitchen teams this fall. And we definitely need you to volunteer because you definitely do not want me cooking. So please, please volunteer. We've got, um, as most of you know, uh, our senior pastor, uh, Pastor D, has been on sabbatical the last two and a half months, and he's got one more week of sabbatical before he comes back, and, and to uh, commemorate his coming back, we're going to have a meal 
uh, not this coming Sunday, but the next Sunday on July 24th. We'd love for you to be a part of that, to welcome Pastor D and Kay back uh, from their time away uh, as we celebrate together they're, uh, they're rejoining our church. So please join us. It's going to be at 12 right after the Sunday service. We're going to have the meal out on the Friendship Plaza. Uh, it'll be potluck style. So please come uh, on that Sunday to celebrate him coming back. And then lastly, uh, tomorrow morning, uh, we have uh, six middle school boys, three middle school girls, myself and youth pastor Lexi Mercado are heading up to summer camp. We are super excited to be up in Idlewild for a week with our mid-hires um, and just have fun and worship and, and grow and learn from each other. Uh, and it'll be, it'll be a super great time. And uh, one of the things that we want to invite the church to be a part of is our send-off. Tomorrow morning, we're going to meet in the parking lot at 9 o'clock. Uh, we're going to hope to be on the road by 9.30 given that everybody arrives and shows up on time and we're ready to go. Uh, but if you would like to come and hang out in the parking lot with us from 9 to 9.15, around 9.15, we're going to do a big circle up and prayer over um, our travels and just our experience at camp. And so if you have some time tomorrow morning and you'd like to stop by uh, the church parking lot for that prayer uh, to help send us off to summer camp, uh, we would welcome and we'd love to have you there. So that's an open invitation uh, to anybody who'd love to be a part of that tomorrow morning. It's going to be a wonderful time of prayer. At this time, we are going to have some special music uh, by Justin and Ashley. But before we do that, I'd love to just to like very quickly interview Justin about what song you're about to perform, the, uh, the inspiration behind that and everything. Yeah, good morning, I'm Justin. Um, and uh, I released a record a few years ago, 2016, that ended up being called The River, and this song kind of was a culmination of a lot of things, um, but it w the record was kind of born out of a season of, like, true weariness, and not like, I'm tired at the end of the day, weary, but like, life weariness, and um, so it was just this, a, a record for like, longing for rest and cleansing, and something that like, you know, a breath of fresh air. And so this song was kind of, um, for me, if I could reprise the record into one song, what would it say? And that was kind of this song. Um, but as I said, it's a culmination of a lot of things. I reference in this song a couple of old songs, one being um, Alison Krauss's Down to the River to Pray, um, which to me was just a song that verse by verse, you start to find yourself in this story. And um, I thought that was so powerful of how a song could do that, it could start to include more and more people, and, and all of a sudden we're a part of this thing together. I thought that was really beautiful. And um, also the old song, I'll Fly Away, which was just a classic song I grew up singing that um, had so many deep roots in my life. And um, my grandfather was um, a pastor in a small mountain town in Oklahoma, um, I used the term mountain very loosely. Um, for I was just Oklahoma. about to say, there's mountains so, in Oklahoma? Um, um, big hills and um, lots of trees and rivers. And, and literally, when they would um, be baptized, they would go to the local river. And it was this communal thing, and they would go down and they would be baptized in this ice cold water. And there was something so visual and visceral about that to me, of that notion of being cleansed and um, in a moving stream of water and like what happens to us in that. And so it's a lot of things I realize, but it kind of culminated into this notion of like when we're weary, when we need rest, when we need cleansing, um, 
where do we go? What do we do? And so um, this notion of going to the river, I think, though it's a metaphor, um, it's what we have at hand every day in the cleansing grace and rest and peace um, that we find in, in Jesus. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Justin and Ashley, for performing it for us. This is a wonderful time for us to meditate on these words, to pay attention to where our mind and heart goes as we listen to the music, to tune to the spirit. Justin. Come on, friends, let's go together. Let's go down to the river and pray. If you're willing, the Lord is able. He wants to wash our sins away. Come on, brothers and sisters, come on, down to the river, come on, bury your burdens in the water, come on, weary and broken, come on, proud, come on, hopeless, come on, bury your troubles in the water, yeah. Pray I don't leave my love unspoken. I pray I live every ounce of life. So come on, brothers and sisters, come on down to the river. Come on, bury your burdens in the water. Come on, weary and broken. Come on. Proud, come on, hopeless, come on, bury your troubles in the water, yeah, in the water, yeah, in the water. And dip your toes in, and dip your soul in. Dip your toes in, dip your soul in, bury your troubles in the water. Well, come on, brothers and sisters, come on, 
down to the river. Come on, bury your burdens in the water. Come on, weary and broken. Come on, proud. Come on, hopeless. Come on, bury your troubles in the water. Well, come on, brothers and sisters. Come on, down to the river. Come on, bury your burdens in the water. Come on, weary and broken, come on, proud, come on, hopeless, come on, bury your troubles in the water. Amen. 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 Thank you, Justin. Ashley, that was beautiful. My name is Russ, and during these months when Pastor D and Kay have been on sabbatical, I've been privileged to share the word with you and to remind you every week to continue to pray for Pastor D and Kay. And so now with eight days and counting, keep them in your prayers that this sabbatical time will have been all that they needed it to be in their lives and for the life of our church. And so for these three months, we've been looking at the words of Jesus And especially those who are in the open door class probably are thinking, how do you go three months on the words of Jesus and not begin to talk about the Sermon on the Mount? Well, we're going to try to get to some of that today. And if that piques your interest, I would invite you to join that open door class who are studying the Sermon on the Mount, has been for months and will be for months to come. As a great study of these words of Jesus. And our other Sunday school class that I team teach with my brother Carl are in the Gospel of John, more of the words of Jesus. So if you'd like to join us at the 9 o'clock hour, either of those adult Sunday school classes, you are welcome to come and be a part of those. Just a brief overview of, uh, of Matthew's account here as we come to the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew, as you know, was a tax collector, and he had the, uh, the accountant's eye for detail. And so Matthew, all the way through, is so meticulous. He starts with this orderly presentation, with the genealogy of Jesus leading from Abraham to Jesus, demonstrating that Jesus is the Messiah to his Jewish listeners. The birth narratives are very, very conscious of the prophecies that would point them to Jesus as Messiah. He shows John the Baptist preparing the way, Jesus coming to be baptized by John, facing his temptation in the wilderness, calling his first disciples, and now as we come to chapter 5, he sits his disciples down on the mountainside and establishes his direction for them, the beginning of his public ministry, and he shares these words. And we want to take just a brief look at the Beatitudes and understand this is just a brief overview for, as the Open Door class students will tell you, they spent weeks on each of these verses as we should. But all of Jesus' teaching, I think you can build a pretty firm case, is an expansion of the Beatitudes. All of the parables, the miracles, the object lessons that he gives are a response to this, for these are the marks of the Christian character, who we are in Christ Jesus. Much as we've talked about the fruit of the Spirit that grows from us if we are filled with his Spirit. So these marks of Christian character come out in Jesus' teaching. Jesus, in his very posture, sets the scene. He sits down as all of the rabbis would sit at that time and and teach as his disciples come to him. And Jesus' teaching is at the heart of our faith. 
But we must remember that we must see Jesus as Savior and the one who fills us with his spirit before we see him as teacher. Because if we only take his teaching, we will be doomed to, to utter failure by trying to keep his words of our own strength. It is only as the power of the Spirit works within us that we are able to live out Jesus' call to Christian character. And so, we recognize that his disciples were very aware of the prophets. Uh, they had heard John the Baptist, and they had heard about judgment and woe and repentance and reminders of sin. And here comes Jesus starting to set out his ministry, and he begins with blessing. You are blessed if I live within you in this way. And so from that blessing, which is so much more than just happiness, happiness which can be based upon circumstances or our emotions, but Jesus promises us this blessing that he gives. And then he starts with this wonderful, exciting phrase, blessed are the poor in spirit. <laughs> kind of sounds like a negative way to start. But it's the age-old conflict, isn't it, between pride and humility. And when Satan attacks, he attacks us at points of spiritual pride. But to be poor in spirit is to recognize our spiritual poverty, to be aware of our need. And it's a deeply felt need. This is the harshest word for poverty. Totally helpless, totally dependent. We need him. And so the basis for Beatitudes is the death of pride and the birth of dependence. We see this call to humility all the way through the scripture. God called Gideon, and Gideon says, I'm from the lowest family and the lowest tribe. You're going to call me? <laughs> Moses was conscious of his inadequacy. In fact, in Numbers chapter 12, it says he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. David says, Lord, who am I that you are mindful of me? Peter begged Jesus to go away from him. He said, depart from me. I am a sinful man. <laughs> Paul said, I am the chief of sinners. Over and over, examples of people who were so self-aware that then they became God-aware. When we see our weakness, we see his strength working in us. And so he says, you're blessed if you're poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven, that kingdom which Jesus said will live within you. And we see a pattern here. In Hebrew poetry, there's something called synthetic parallelism, where the second line fulfills the meaning of the first line. And so we recognize when he says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs, and only theirs, is the kingdom of heaven. We recognize that this is God's gift to us. We see that mechanism in Proverbs all over and over. But there's a natural flow to the Beatitudes, and the next two Beatitudes take off from this idea of being poor in spirit. If I'm aware of my spiritual need, aware of my spiritual poverty, I will mourn over that situation and I will meekly ask for repentance. I will meekly say, forgive me for where I have been. And so while the Beatitudes stand individually on points of Christian character, there's also a logical flow as Jesus unwraps these for us. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I don't think I ever knew the extent of the experience of God's comfort until my wife of 35 years passed away. I had never experienced that kind of grief, and so I had never experienced that level of comfort. God, who comes alongside of us, 
by his spirit, comforts us. In 1 Peter 5, verse 10, it, it says, God himself will restore us after we have suffered and make us strong and firm and steadfast. God himself comes alongside of us. He is the one who builds us up, the comforter. And so, with great sorrow comes great comfort. Because our joy is not the opposite of pain, but it's a result of pain that's been relieved because God has come to meet that pain and that hurt. And then he moves to meekness. Blessed are the meek. A word that's been really distorted in our language to kind of be associated with weakness. But in Jesus' day, it was the word they used for a domesticated animal where every instinct, every impulse, every passion was under control. In Scripture, Moses is called meek. Jesus is called meek. Certainly not weak characters in Scripture. But to, to be completely controlled by God, to walk in quiet godliness and confidence that he is with us. And what will they do? They will inherit the earth. This is not some futuristic thing. It is this sense that God reveals himself in his creation, but only the redeemed are aware of that, and that this is a gift from our creator in a personal relationship with him. Well, once I go through those early Beatitudes and I'm in this relationship, I've hungered uh, for the best. Now, he says, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Again, the strongest words for hunger and thirst. It's what is spoken of when Jesus is at the end of his 40 days of fasting, that I will die without it, that we must have his righteousness. And so it's both a question and a challenge. How much do we want righteousness? How much do we want this in our lives as God has brought us to this relationship. And we must have this intense desire for goodness. Jesus said in the upper room, the Holy Spirit will convict you in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. And so the Spirit says there is a righteous way to live. Do you want righteousness more than anything? We hunger and thirst for it. And so I don't get up from breakfast and say, now I've got to start building up an appetite for lunch. I just go about my normal activities and sure enough, lunchtime, I'm hungry again. <laughs> Well, how do we go about building up this spiritual hunger and thirst? We go about our spiritual activities, the spiritual disciplines. We pray, we read the Bible, we study, we meditate, we worship, we fellowship, we serve. We do these things and there is this increasing hunger for God's fullness within us. And the promise is you will be filled. And the tense there is a continuing action. You will continue to be filled as you hunger and thirst for this righteousness. And the flow of the Beatitudes continues, for if I seek this righteousness, therefore I will act mercifully to those around me. I'm striving to live this life that he has given to me. Now mercy was something in Jesus' day that was completely out of fashion. <laughs> the Romans despised pity. The Pharisees were harsh in their self-righteousness. The Jews in general considered suffering as punishment for sin. But Jesus gives us a whole new direction. It is mercy, it is empathy, it is experience together with another person. Matthew also records in chapter 18 the parable of the unmerciful servant. And the tagline of that parable is, we place in peril our own forgiveness if we fail to show mercy to others. But the promise is, if we are merciful, we will receive mercy. And then there's a break in the Beatitudes. For the next one is, blessed 
are the pure in heart. The, the other Beatitudes are things that we could kind of initiate. We can't initiate purity. God purifies our hearts by faith. We recognize that this is a gift from him to make our minds right, to make our motives right, to make us pure. And so we have a motive to do the right things for the right reasons because it's entirely possible to do the right things for the wrong reasons. It's the sin of hypocrisy. It's possible to give in order to feel important, to pray in order to feel righteous, (laughs) to serve for self-display or to attend church for social respectability. But the result of purity, purity of heart, is that we will see God. We'll be in this relationship with him. We will seek his face. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. So we ask for this purity of heart and life. No one's natively pure. God purifies our hearts, it says in Acts. Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful and beyond cure. David says, create in me a pure heart. And in Hebrews, we read that without holiness, no one will see the Lord, now or in the future. We seek this holy life that God has for us. Well, if he has purified us then, we then become in our world peacemakers. Not peace lovers. We got all kinds of peace lovers. (laughs) We're called to be peacemakers. And creating peace often, usually, requires sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice to create peace in your home, to create peace in your church, to create peace in your neighborhood, in your community, in this world where God has placed us as his ambassadors, his children? And he says that's a result. If we are peacemakers, we are called the children of God. Because that's what God does. Those who are far away, he brings near. He reconciles the world to himself. He creates his peace. And so we are the children of God. But as he wraps up the Beatitudes, he transitions right into persecution. Okay, wake up, disciples. If you do these things, if you live as I live, you're going to be persecuted. But guess what? You're in good company. All those who went before you were persecuted. If we're going to be the conscience of the world, if we're going to be salt and light to the world, as he calls them in the sermon, he says you will be persecuted because of that, as long as you're doing it for the sake of righteousness. For what makes us unpopular in the world's eyes makes us popular in God's eyes as we walk close to him. And so this Christian character is only possible as he lives within us. So I want us this morning now hear the words of Jesus' sermon. Remember when we started back in the upper room with Jesus, and one of the things Jesus said to his father in prayer, Father, I have given them the words that you gave me. So when we hear the words of Christ, they are the very words of God that he speaks into our lives. Austin has selected a few pictures from the Holy Land, from the Mount of Beatitudes, looking down on the Sea of Galilee. As you listen to the words of Jesus, try to picture yourself there in that setting, hearing the words of Christ and recognizing that he moves us toward that purpose. As Reuben Welch loves to say, the word of God is more important than anything we say about the word of God. (laughs) So hear the words of Jesus and focus on his call to you. Now, when he saw the crowds, 
he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, first go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge, the judge may hand you over to the officer, you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said that anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a woman so divorced commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, 
but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. But when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, Pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast... Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they're fasting. <laughs> I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? (laughs) Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? (laughs) How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye. And then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs, or they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When he had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority, and not as their teachers of the law. So as Austin and Victor come to play for us, read the words of all hail the power of Jesus' name. We, we balance the authority of Jesus and the words of Jesus. Words come to us without authority, and we can take them or leave them. Authority comes to us without words, and we don't know what to do with that. <laughs> but when we combine the two, Jesus shows us what Christian character is about and how we are to live as his children. Meditate on the words as they play.
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and give you peace. God bless you. You're dismissed.